Thank you for listening to this episode of Courtside Indiana Podcast. Please hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate our rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter at CourtsideIND. Indiana podcast. We're recording episode 123. I'm Jim Reamer and going to be alone for this part. Zach is going to be doing a lot of girls soccer here this spring. So we're going to be joined later with uh, by Nick Baumgart and Chris Spillman separately. Talk about different things. Nick and I have uh, had a good conversation about the transfer portal, the college level. And then we bring Chris Spillman on to discuss some of the guys he got a chance to see play this weekend. Right now, I'm going to get you updated on the recruiting news that we have um, didn't get to last week. But there's been a flurry of activity this week, and, and it's going to get even busier because we just finished our first open period of the week of the uh, spring uh, yesterday. So here we go. Here are the, some of the offers that have happened here in the last uh, couple of weeks. Ashton Williamson from Gary 21st Century picked up an offer from New Orleans, his first Division One offer. Jake Davis from Cathedral picked up an offer from Huntington. We've expressed a couple of times, and we're going to talk later when I we've already recorded the segment with Chris Spillman. So we're going to talk a little bit about Jake and my views on him. So I'll just save him till then. But he received an offer from Huntington. He's He's got uh, multiple NAIA offers as well. Trey Steinhilber, who's an outgoing senior, received an offer uh, earlier today from Indiana Northwest. Uh, Garway Dual, a Carmel product, uh, who was a transfer into Carmel this year from Houston, picked up two offers this week, or not this week, but recently, Alabama-Birmingham and IUPUI. Joey Hart picked up an offer earlier today from Purdue Fort Wayne and Jack Benner uh, class. Of, he's a sophomore from Brownstown picked up an offer from Indiana state. He is going to, he's going to, he's going to put up a lot of big numbers here for his uh, final two years of high school. He's already started doing that this past year as a sophomore and certainly had a good freshman year as well. But, but Jack is going to put up some impressive numbers the next two years. So, uh, we also have some commitments. Randy Kelly committed a couple of days ago to Wabash. That's a great pickup for Wabash. Luke LaGrange from Blackhawk Christian. No, actually from Leo. Sorry, I had not changed that in our database. Committed to Huntington. Ryan Cadell, the uh, senior shooting guard from Dan or from Evansville North, committed to Danville Community College in Illinois. EJ Smith, a, a senior from Noblesville, senior guard, picked up or a committed to Victoria College in, I'm going to say Texas, Spencer Ditton from uh, East Noble picked up uh, or committed to, man, I can't, can't get my, my uh, wording changed, committed to Hanover uh, over the weekend. Zach Jeffers, a senior from Liberty Christian committed to Covenant College. Logan Imes, a couple of uh, late last week or middle of last week from Zionsville, 2023 guard committed to Penn State. Mason Yoder from Westview committed to Judson in an NAI school. Andrew Adzia from Crown Point is a senior committed to Holy Cross. 
the NAIA school up in up in South Bend, coached by one of my uh, former coaching bosses, Mike McBride, who's done a tremendous job at Holy Cross. So that's the recruiting update. I, I think that the thing that stands out is is obviously Imes' commitment to Penn State. That's the biggest of the the commitments that we've had here recently. You know, that was his. Um, you know, that was his one high major offer that he had go, coming into the spring. But I think there's a connection there with, with Micah, with coach Shrewsbury because he and, and Braden Shrewsbury, uh, coach Shrewsbury's son play together in the AAU circuit. And, you know, Micah, I think is, is really comfortable with Logan running his offense. And so that's going to be a good opportunity for Logan to play in the big 10 and, and uh, you know, definitely look for him. Um, you know, he's going to have to improve his, improve his shooting. He's got to improve his, his offense. He, he struggled a little bit in the sectional, uh, really just getting downhill and making and getting into the point where he could create plays for others. He was more of a facilitator that game. And that, that was something that I hadn't seen from him in a while. I still think it's, you know, with his size at six, three, six, four with his length, I think he's got a chance to be a good, bigger point guard in the big 10 and, but he is definitely going to have to keep working on his shot, which I, I'm pretty sure he's going to do because he's a hardworking kid who puts in a lot of time individually. So touched on earlier, the, the, the commitment from Randy Kelly to Wabash, that's just an absolute great get for Wabash. Randy was tremendous at Sullivan. You know, they won over 21 games each of the last two years while he was leading their team and really had them on the brink of, of, beating Beach Grove in the semi-state. Beach Grove pulled it out at the end and eventually won the 3A state championship. And that was, um, you know, that Randy had them pretty close. He was definitely a guy that it was a go-to guy. Everybody kind of knew it. And very few people had a, had a, <laughs> had an answer to stop him. So uh, then Joey Hart, his offer from Purdue, Fort Wayne. It's going to be interesting. He's got it. He does have a couple of high major offers. And it'll be interesting to see what the direction his recruiting goes now that uh, now that D1 coaches can be fully out in the spring. So look forward to that. But um, so that's the recruiting update right now. And we, when we get next time you hear us talk, you'll hear from Nick Baumgart. He's going to come on and we're going to talk a little bit about the transfer portal and touch on some of um, impact of. Mike Lewis being, you know, being named the new head coach at Ball State and coach Thad Mata at Butler. Joining us now is Nick Baumgart. Nick, we're going to talk a little bit about the transfer portal, aren't we? You had a, you had a tweet earlier. Oh, I mean, was I, it, I guess I, it was late last week about I it. I feel some kind of way about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. You don't like it. I don't Hate love it. it. I don't love it. I get it to a degree, but I, I don't know what it's what it's enabling. Um, it, it's go on. You what were your what were your thoughts about it? Well, you know, to me, right, your 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 head coach is like tells you know any head coach that's ever coached basketball has probably said there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts, blah, 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 right? About shortcuts, right. all that. And then they're like, 
All right. Um, yeah, you're not going out for this the first evaluation period. Talking to his assistant, here just stay and stay in the portal. Find us some good talent so we can keep our jobs next year. In other words, you know they're looking for a shortcut. They messed up uh, somewhere along the process. Something went wrong, either in the kid's head, and maybe he's got some kind of chemical imbalance. You know, maybe he's got a mental illness, or maybe. Let's just do maybe that. let's don't go or, down that path. <laughs> hold on. Let me finish my point. Or just maybe <laughs> the, the staffs aren't evaluating their prospects the way they should. I mean, it's, it's not what I'm saying is it's, it's a possibility. Okay. Well, we're, we're so, sort of stunted because we've got two recruiting classes in a row that were impacted greatly by COVID. And, and we're about ready to have a third one that's impacted by COVID. And, and next year we'll be caught up. Next year will be the first class that was fully recruited and fully vetted. I mean, the class of 2022 is, it's going to be a mess. I got to well, imagine. The transfer number has, has been trending up for 10 years. True. Yeah, the NCAA we're... has made it easier. They've been more abiding with, medical issues for family members and, and coaching changes and things like that. And, you know, now it's just full blown. You get one free one as long as you declare by May, May 1st of a given year. So, so here's I, the deal. Here's just kind of, it's a feeling that I have, right. It's just like, right. it gives me a little bit, my, my Scooby sense is going off a little bit. And so what I think is, I just feel like it's nothing that's going to happen. Like next year, I'm not going to say, Oh, it's college basketball is so bad because but it's it's starting to eat at the culture, okay. Of, um, I may have to yell at my dog for my dog here. So I guess she took off the neighbor. But it's eating at the culture of college basketball. So you know, loyalty's out the window. Yeah. Um, and you know, the first time things don't go your way, or the first time that you know, it makes it easy. And I just think there's some value to toughen it out and well and you've you've knocked both sides of it already which is fine because i agree with some of what you're saying i i obviously the argument is has been for a while college coaches can just come and go no big deal uh why can't kids do the same blah 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 and the and the reality of it is is college coaches can't just come and go they have contracts we've, we've talked about this before maybe not me and you on this pod but but I know I've sure. talked about it here. I know I've talked about it in the, with the radio that I do with um, with the Hoosier for IU Rivals. Um, and coaches have contracts. Now, they have the ability to negotiate some of the obstacles that are in the way. But, but those contracts are still stumbling blocks that don't just let them leave and go wherever they want. Sometimes coaches, sometimes coaches lose their job. They get paid. And they're, they're not allowed to coach until their terms of their contract are up without returning the money that they got bought out with. So that's, that's a reality uh, too. I, I think a lot of people miss the contractual side of coaching changes. They either that, or they just don't understand it or they don't care. Uh, they just think that being able to have the freedom to come it's not really a freedom. It's a privilege. You've got to negotiate away. And, and it's, it's not, Sometimes it's easy because they can get boosters to just pay the, the, the buyouts, you know, but then you look at what happened here at Butler where they waited for the, you know, they waited an extra, what, 10 days, probably two weeks, maybe right to get rid of Laval. And we can, 
we can, um, you know, that's, that's a separate discussion that, you know, I, I would doubt that Laval knew. I would, I would doubt that Laval was blindsided by it. And maybe I'm wrong. No, they all knew that going into the season. That well, they had I, to- I get that. No, I get that. But then you, once we got, once they fired the women's coach and didn't fire him like the next day, I thought, well, damn, maybe he's safe. I mean, I had a lot of people ask me, think they're going to get rid of Val and I was like no I, I think he's safe now and yeah, then no, I and like two days later yeah two days later read his buyout changes drastically on April 1st and I was like oh crap he's not out of the woods yet and then two days after that it was like so that was in the span of a week so two days after that toward the end of that week it was like yeah he's probably going to be gone on April 1st but but if we're talking about it and I don't again not me and you directly but guys like us if we're talking about it then he's got it he had to have known and, and like it or not, you know, he had to have known that was the writing was on the wall. Um, I maybe if we get far enough away, we'll be able to get some input on the, you know, fr- from the couple of guys who are still on staff because it looks like David Raglan is sticking and it looks like Jay, um, Jay Stunner is that his? Ah, shoot. He's a good dude too. Well, here's the, the thing. He was yeah, the no. yeah. I mean, like, uh, for anyone listening that doesn't know, I mean, David Raglan and I have. Uh, I've known David Ragland 37 years. Yeah. Um, probably one of the earliest people outside of my family that I ever probably, you know, um, and I don't, I don't think unless you've heard something different, I haven't spoken to David recently. He's, I know he's out evaluating. He's retained. Yeah, as far as I know, he's been retained. I, I mean, he's out wearing his Butler gear this weekend and yeah, I don't, and, I don't, I don't think that. Um, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure that that's, that means what it means, but anyway, we'll see. Um, I get what you're saying, but he and, uh, Shunner, Jay Shunner, or maybe it's Shunar, uh, th- both those guys were out evaluating this weekend wearing Butler gear. So I got to imagine Thad's made some decisions. I know Kevin Quiet is going to be on staff. He was um, at Butler for a brief moment. Then he was at Dayton for a while. And then he's most recently, he was at Davidson. He's coming back to Indiana, so that was good for him. Well, David, uh, David Raglan should be retained. I, I just I don't think I think Dad's got his 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 guys. You know how you know how the coaching stuff works. It doesn't matter. You got to be you got to be somebody's guy. If well, Rags somebody's is guy, kind of part of that. Rags is kind of indirectly kind of part of that group anyway. But but I yeah I agree with what you're saying. But I I still think we'll okay. I don't think they're both out there recruiting for Butler, not knowing for sure they're going to be at Butler. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure that that makes sense for anybody, right? I mean, it doesn't even make sense for Thad. If well, he has I mean, you know, it would be hard for. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know anything about it. Like I said, we'll see. We'll find out here soon. It'll be all. So your issue with the transfer portal, because. So cause you know, my, re- my reply to your good. tweet was, "Let's let's talk about it on the podcast." So your issue with the transfer portal is just kids are able to just cut and run it's not good for to, when you transfer okay as someone who transferred right when, when you go into a situation i mean first of all the locker room in a, in a like a college basketball uh situation is very weird because you obviously have your friends your roommates right but like wow. outside of that you know, it's like keep your keep your friends close and your enemy, enemies closer, almost kind of thing. You're all a bunch of type A personalities. Everybody's trying to 
one up the other person, you know, uh, whatever, right? You're trying, I mean, it's, it's a strange thing. So when you come in as a transfer, I mean, there's an order that's kind of, and maybe you don't step on toes. And so maybe, you know, the, the team leaders like you, or the team likes you, you're, you're liked. But I mean, if you're coming in and taking minutes from people, you know, maybe the roommate of some of some. I don't know. It, it's there's just a lot of strange things, and then academically, it's just you always lose credit. And you're moving around. It's chaotic. I mean, sure, there's you can have a successful transfer. I'm just saying, there's a lot of of things that can go wrong. I always try to say I like to try to find situations for kids where they they don't have to transfer unless there's just right. some some reason they want to i mean well, i think that's everybody's everybody's goal it's like saying you don't get married to get divorced but you know still it happens 50 you know 50 percent of the time so i i get and i look i agree with you i don't i don't love the transfer portal i don't know how i would change it um i i would set the date i think may 1st is a, is a great may 1st is a good date for that deadline to pass uh you have to transfer by may 1st or enter the portal by may 1st excuse me uh, to, to get your freebie, you get your, basically your one-time, uh, free transfer. They've, they've changed it now. And the post-grad thing is, is eliminated. It's now just a one-time free transfer. At least that's as I understood reading, reading some of the language last week, uh, because it was part of a, I was part of a different discussion and I could be wrong on that, but I, I think the, the post-grad is no longer a separate thing. It's you get one shot to transfer without having to sit. Um, if you want to stay at the level you're playing, you can always transfer down, but I, I guess I don't, part of the reason why I don't like it is because it impacts recruiting and it, it, it turns basically, it turns college basketball into free agency. And I don't know that that's truly good for anybody because ultimately what's going to happen is, is you're going to start having coaches who will no longer have sympathy for the situation of Hey, we can just move this kid along. You know, we need to let him know that he's not going to get all, not going to have a, the role we thought he would. And I'm talking about even a, like a, a grounded, co like a coach that's been in place for a while can just start treating his roster like a free agent situation. And I don't think that's good for anybody. And I think that's where we're headed. And we're also headed to kids transferring because they can get a better NIL deal somewhere else. And I mean, that may be good for the kid in the short run, but I don't know if that's always best for the kid in the long run. And again, again, the money we're talking about is not change your life money. The money we're talking about, even a six figure deal that like trace Jackson Davis and, and race Thompson have been rumored to have just, you know, gotten, that's not change your life money. That's, that's fun money for a year, you know, in, in a lot of cases, or maybe a couple of years, you know, for a couple of years, their, their goal should be broader than that. Um, in, including, including maintaining the network that could set them up for life that, that all, that all these athletes have at their disposal, um, or at least have the opportunity to, um, what am I looking for? Farm, I guess, for lack of a better word to, to nurture. Um, I think the other, the other thing too, that, that just, to, um, if, if a player is in the transfer portal and there are situations, right. Let's say Evansville. All right. Um, or I guess Ball State would be a better example because they lost their coach. But Evansville, you know, you know, maybe you just don't feel like they're gonna the staff's gonna be there long term, and, and you, you might you know cut ties now. Blake Sisley just went to Wright State, 
right um, transferred to right state so but there's a reason that xavier johnson was in the transfer portal okay um there's reasons these guys aren't working out well he's worked out xavier johnson's worked out i mean yeah he's gonna i mean he's not gonna get in trouble i mean he's gonna get in trouble but he's not gonna I mean, he's not leaving Indiana. He, he might have, they'll have some sort of internal punishment. If you're referring about his, his uh, drag racing through Bloomington. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's a re like <laughs> what I'm getting at is, 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 I mean, I'm just saying like, like those aren't things that you, that, that, that winners do though. Well, that's true. That's a separate topic. That's got nothing to do with the transfer portal. I, it, it, well, there's reasons why a lot of players are in the portal. So what I'm getting at is, if you're if you're just going to swing in, you know, every year you're going to in the portal to make your team better the next year, you're going to run into a lot of um, problems. You're going to have issues. Yeah. Well, we could go through the like we could go through the four guys that Indiana Indiana added last year and, and pretty much nail each one as to why they were well i guess only three of them were there uh, parker stewart was already there but but you know parker stewart was there because well his father passed away and he he needed the change of scenery you know and he had a great year at, at ut martin and it was you know an opportunity for him to get a big time situation and, and it just didn't work out for him miller cop um left northwestern his role was being diminished it had diminished heading into his final year at northwestern um, I mean, you're it, talking about middle cop, though. IU fans are stunned that they finished ninth or whatever, right? Like, they thought they were going to be better. I, I, I thought they. Well, I think they thought he would be. The, I think they thought those two guys would be. Those two guys especially would be the missing link in terms of shooting, and they just didn't. But I don't know why you would do that. I mean, that was well, he's coming from the 12th place Big Ten team. You're taking a starter from the 12th place Big Ten team, and you're you're telling me you're going to try to improve your team. Um. That's not how it works. You got to have better players. Well, niche, yeah, niche shooting though can change. Can change I wouldn't let life. cop anywhere on on my campus. But anyway, it's neither look here. Look at what there. Duncan Robinson did did for Michigan, coming from a Division three school. I mean, no, not, who, who would have predicted that in advance? Who would have predicted the the first? Well, team? was he was he efficient? I don't know. I don't have the numbers. That he was. Up. I mean, he yeah. He oh, was, so there you go. But he like, was a game changer, and I and I think that. I looked Miller at cop was up and down. He had one. Well, good I looked year. at cop as a situation though, where his his shooting could be the difference between even 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 when you're struggling with the shooting, you got to guard him, and that that gives Trace the space he needs. We talked an awful lot in Indiana circles uh, on you know on audio discussions, not just writing or about the value of shooting, the value of of. Uh, potential shooting you know i remember i remember a game where remember jason holsinger right from lapel that went to evansville right lefty. I, I remember a game where he went for us he went one for seven and he felt like crap and i said you understand you only had to hit the one because everybody already knows you can shoot and the other six that you missed created this still created the space for for dudes to operate like the bigs that we had and dominique james at the point and and I mean that that was a situation where I always that's why I always want my guys who can shoot to shoot because they gotta, you know, they gotta be a, they gotta continue to be a threat. And I think Cop was that kind of a player. And I just don't I don't know that they were used as well as they could have been used, but 
But yeah, no, I mean, cop, he, cop is a catch and shoot. You're right, right. about that. Cop is a catch and shooter. He he hey. should not ever take a a shot off the dribble ever. And Xavier uh-huh. Johnson came from Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh sucked. I mean, but but it looked like you know you go watch his tape, and you go watch how he was at least engaged defensively, and was a was a good playmaker for them. He had good numbers. Didn't look like he was out there just hunting assists, although that is hard to tell just by watching stuff on Synergy. Um, but he is, you know, he had a toughness about him that the rest of the program didn't have. And, you know, I don't know if there were some injuries involved or why Pittsburgh was so bad, but, but, you know, and I think by the, the second half of the season, he was really good. And, you know, I, he's, he was that kind of the player they wanted on the court. I think there were some stretches early on where you were wondering, okay, what's, what's going on above his shoulders, but, but who, you know, but he, he finally caught on and then. And then Michael Dirk comes in, you know, he was just looking for a bigger situation and it just was too big or was the wrong situation or they just didn't view, they didn't feel like the, the, he's, he got, I'm going to use the word screwed over. I don't think they screwed him over. I just think his, his time on the court got screwed over when the decision Everybody was made that he, and Trace, he and Trace could not, would not play together. Then he wasn't going to get much playing time. I was kind of hoping he would be good enough to allow Trace to play some four uh, because I did see that Durr does have a decent shot, and he could be kind of a a stretch five, even if it's from just 18 feet or you know 15 feet instead of necessarily the three point line, because those are the kind of shots he was hitting um, at a decent clip, uh, you know, before he transferred before he transferred to Indiana. So clearly not how they intended to use him, and and playing him with Trace wasn't necessarily. Um, I don't even think it was considered because it didn't, I don't know that it happened. I'd be curious to see if they had any minutes on the floor together. So, well, I would argue that that Xavier Johnson is not, uh, he's not a point guard. He's a combo oh. guard and, and he's, he was good, really good at times. Right. But there yeah. were times when he just absolutely melted. Yeah. I mean, he's Syracuse. Well, yeah, but that's that's really yeah, that's really in the year. He got a lot better. He got he got a lot better as the year went on. And I that's an I, excuse. That's an excuse, Jim. Stop no, but, it. But Stop. if you if you if you close out the year strong, nobody cares what you did in the first half of the year. That's like saying that's like blame it. That's like saying a kid had a crappy freshman year when he had three stellar years. Yeah, I remember when he was his last four Xavier Johnson's last four games. I would I wouldn't necessarily call stellar. Oh, yeah. I mean, Iowa, he had improved. Anywho, um, yeah, you know, I mean, he makes them better, but I just think you need. I mean, his last four games Illinois. against Illinois, they beat they, two games. Okay, let's start Big Ten turning. First of all, he closed the Big Ten season. He was fabulous. The, the, the final stretch of the Big Ten season, just fabulous. Big Ten turning, he was 17, 8, and 7 with. I'm going to make sure I get the turnover column right here. 17, 8, and 7. Eight rebounds, seven assists, three turnovers, 17 points. The, the win against Illinois, he was 13, 4, and 6 with one turnover. And that one turnover was late, late in the game. In fact, it may have almost cost him the possession that almost cost him the game. That was going to be the tragedy of that situation. He did not shoot well that game. That would have been his only stumbling block. Against Iowa, he, he was 20. Points, four rebounds, nine assists, four turnovers, 
the NCAA game against Wyoming, he struggled shooting the ball, but everybody struggled to shoot the ball that game. Both teams, he was 10, 4, and 7 with two turnovers. What's that have to do with his shooting, though? Come on. Well, I'm just saying everybody struggled. I mean, I don't know. I would have been a lot. I would have been basketball. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Dude, I can't hear you. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He was really good in parts. He was really, really good. Your audio is muffled now, Nick. Something's muffling oh, your audio. He was really good um, down the stretch. I, I'll give you that. He was the only one at times. Um, yeah. And then in St. Mary's game, they just, Indiana just sucked. I mean, they just were bad. So, I mean, Stewart and Cop and, and, and Durr, they were all just kind of flops. I mean, they just kind of, just, you know. Well, we'll give Cop, I'm Cops, saying, Cops coming back for one more year. So, careful what you wish for, man. Like, somebody wise told me that one long time ago be careful what you wish for jimmy but um well the other side of that too is it's the grass isn't always greener you know the the grass isn't always green on the other side so oh that's the tom keep tom cream because no i don't i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm not i'm not saying that i'm just saying that you know guys that go hunting for greener grass sometimes find weeds i still think i'm just it's just the I mean, we deal with it in AAU. I mean, kids can quit our team at 10 a.m. and be playing for somebody else by noon, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of it. And I've seen it happen. I've seen I've seen kids jump ship <laughs> mid-event. It's never happened to me, but I've seen it. <laughs> we played a kid one year on two different teams. I don't know if he I don't know if he quit or just somebody <laughs> needed a body or what, but I mean, I've seen that happen before. And that's, he really wanted, he really wanted to beat you. And he's, you know, he was willing to do anything. I mean, we had a kid stop. last, we had a kid last year that started with us and quit by the, the first week of May. He played on four teams last year. Gosh, you know, uh, that's, and he just didn't, and he was just a kid. I'm not going to, I don't want to name his name. He was just a kid that didn't, kind of know who he was as a player. And I go back to the ideas that we, even if I'm the worst coach he played for last year, we can't all be wrong. So, I mean, we deal with, we deal with the transfer portal every, every day in AAU. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I'm I just saying when you're making the money that these guys are making, I just think they need it. There can be a better, they could do a better job on their end is what all I'm saying. Ask better questions, you know, uh, you know, understanding well, who the person is, who the, that the player is as a person. Well, I'm going to give, I'm going to give a lot of these guys a free pass for a couple of years because of COVID. It's just, it's just, it. I mean, it just is. You, you talked about watching still do your job. And, still got to do your job. I, I understand that. And they're all working. It's, it's the not same. even watching that. It's, it's making phone calls and, and trying to find out like, is this kid, uh, is he coachable? Is he a hard worker? Is he, I mean, there's, they're, they're clearly not doing their homework in, in a lot of cases. I mean, I just, I know in talking to coaches and, and the questions I get from them and the, or the, the feelings that they have on certain guys. And I'm like, really? Okay. I'm not going to, and I'm not going to, if you don't ask me what I think about, I'm not going to go out there and bad mouth this, that, or the other. But if, if, if I know a kid is not a hard worker and you're convinced that he's 
greatest things in sliced bread and that commitment that he got from him is going to change your I'll let you go. I mean, whatever, it's fine. Well, we we also know cuz I'm the same I'm the same way. We also know that coaches think I can get it out of him. Sure. I I thought that. When I, I I'm 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 exactly that way. I mean, there's but I'm over it now. But I and I'm you know what? I'm I'm right probably it's probably a little no 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 i wish like i wish yeah no no i would say it's i don't know it's 75 percent of the time maybe because i can find a role for them that maybe somebody else doesn't have and there's like because i can always use good screeners right <laughs> but name this podcast the prospect whisper yeah but no 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 the, the the point there is is that you know there's there's sometimes we just miss and again, and again, it goes back to the theory of all these coaches can't, you know, can't be wrong, you know, and uh, that's the Mike Singletary. You can't win with them. You can't win with them. I mean, yeah. like, you and know, he yes, he couldn't win with anybody. I think you can, you as a coach, as in a relationship, if the kid, you know, if the kid wants it, you know, you can take a kid who's who's close and get them, but you can't, you can't make, you can't change. Well, water that's, that's, well, that's the thing. Yeah. We've, we've always got to be, I always tell kids I coach the families I coach when they, they talk about who, who we can get to recruit and what should they do. And sometimes they aim a little high and I'm like, look, no, they always, high. Yeah. well, they don't always aim. They don't always aim high, but I, I, I yeah. always say, I just have to be close. I don't have to always be right, but I've got to always be close. I can never recommend a kid and have, a college coach walk out of that situation thinking that I was crazy. You know, there's just, there was, there's, there's no way around it. You know, that's the credibility of it. Right. Yeah. I would rather, I would rather err on the side of caution. I'd rather I, give a conservative evaluation. And if I, I, I if I'm that. wrong about it, I think I err on the side of caution a lot because these guys are they're they're <laughs> This is, this information is helping them pay their, you know, for their daughter's food on the table or college or whatever. Look, you know, if, if you're really all that, if you're that guy, right. And I'm wrong about you, or I've got bad info, which, you know, we, we use good sources and all that stuff. Right. right. But if, if I'm really, then somebody's going to, you'll, you'll be fine. You may not get an offer from that guy, but there's people that there's plenty of coaches that we don't talk to that, don't care what we think and they're going to go and do their whatever you're going to get your chance it's not but if i say yeah you know that kid oh yes i sign off on that kid and the kid turns out you know and i knew something beforehand um you know the guy's probably not gonna come back or it's it could get fired the stat you know and now they got to move the daughter for the completely different when the completely different when coaches get fired that's that's the one thing i would change that's the one thing I would change if, if is in any instance when a coach was fired or, or, or just left that I would, I would allow, I would not let them enter the portal until a new coach was hired. And then I would allow them to one day, two days, whatever, after the hire, um, let them enter the portal and let them go for free. I mean, but with, you know, for free, like as in, um, you know, not have to sit. You know, I don't I, know that to me that would be a given in any in any circumstance. But I, right now, it's just free agency, and it's really it's really hurting the high school recruiting. 
and if some people don't care, that's fine. I know a lot of college coaches. We, we both have talked to coaches that are not only prioritizing the, the transfer portal, but only recruiting the transfer portal. Or at least yeah. only, well, that would be prioritizing at, the, at that point. But like, but, yeah, crazy stuff, like not sending out, not sending out assistance for the first evaluation period on high school kids. So they can stay in the transfer portal. Like it's like it's some destination. Well, that'll be, their, that'll be their loss. You know what? And you know what? In the next, if let's say they are successful, let's say they have a good year and, or a good couple of years and they're able to parlay it into a bigger job. I think it becomes important as an athletics director who, who most of these, I'm going to use the word chumps, uh, just use search committees. So we need, what we need to, we'll, we lost Nick. Anyway, Nick's internet just went out. But to finish that point, most of these ADs, you know, would need to check to see how these, how this player, how they, had, how they fill the rosters, how coaches fill the rosters. It's like if back in the day, if you were, um, well, Nick's trying to get back in here. Back in the day, if you were, um, you know, there was a stretch there where like Bob Knight wouldn't recruit junior college kids. So I'm not sure that Indiana would have ever hired a guy that was prioritizing junior college kids. And that, and that was the shock of Kelvin Sampson's hire. But, you know, that's that's a completely different direction. His computer died, <laughs> evidently. So I think we were getting ready to wrap up anyway. But I wanted to get his thoughts on the Lewis hire. I know we talked off air. We both we both like the hire for Ball State. We both um think he's going to have a chance to do some good things there. We talked a little bit about the recruiting side of it. Um, and obviously we both think that, well, I, I, I didn't ask him about Thad. I think Thad, Thad Mata hire at Butler's outstanding. So uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up. We got, we're going to have Chris Spillman on here uh, as soon as we get this, take this quick break and thank Nick uh, Baumgart for coming on and we'll, We'll move on and talk to Chris. He's going to talk about some of the kids he watched this weekend at the Adidas event in Noblesville. We're joined now by with Chris Spillman from, from Zionsville, Indiana. Chris has been a voice on this podcast many times and helps me with the fall league uh, the last two years and has done a great job of uh, being another set of eyes and, and providing content for the website. Chris, how was your, how's your weekend? Pretty good. Got to see some great basketball and then uh, made a nice day trip out to Terre Haute today and been a good weekend. And we just had spring break too. So been a good week. Yeah. Where'd you go for spring break? Orange beach, Alabama. <laughs> some friends of mine were down there. So oh, yeah. I'm the, they were down there this weekend and, uh, and they got back today as well. So, or they got back today. You got back Friday, didn't you? Yep, Friday in the evening. Yep. So. so Orange Beach is a good spot, huh? Oh yeah, it was beautiful and nice weather. It was a little disappointing to come back to on Friday and then snow on Saturday morning. And but <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Yeah, I yeah, I was a little put off by that. I was a little insulted. Mother Nature insulted me Saturday morning when I wa- walked out to my car and it was there was snow on the vehicle. Exactly. Not good, but you know, for someone who doesn't have a really a garage to park in, I do have a garage, but it's mostly storage. I usually beeline the crew car wash and, and have them clean my car off automatically as we go through. So 
So you got a chance to watch some basketball games this past weekend. Where where were you at this weekend? Yeah, so I went to uh, Finch Creek or what now is called Mojo Up Sports Complex, I guess. Um, I noticed that. I guess I was looking up on Google and it wouldn't pop up. And I was like, what? But I figured that out. But I saw all three. I also went to Fishers and I saw all three of the Indiana Elite teams play in the um, Elitas Gauntlet the first session and, and saw all three of them play. And yep, so that's that's games I saw. What? So who were some of the kids that stood out? Let's any, let's start with the the juniors or the seniors to be. Yeah. So did you I'd just say see the, the, Did you just see one team? Did you watch any other teams besides any elite teams, or were you just able to? Watch I did not. Class? I did not see any on the schedule at the one I was at, and then okay. I had I was kind of in a tight time window, so yeah, I so got, you didn't really. You didn't get to the gold gauntlet stuff. You just got no, to the I did not. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. But I got, but I got all three of those back to back. So, but the clearly 20... I'm not, clearly we're not making people go places. You just kind of pick and choose what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. Which that's fine. Good work environment. Yeah. Yep. And um, for the 23s, I put three in the first one. Um, I'd say was JQ Roberts, who I was really impressed with. He seems like he's a little bit taller than I remember from last seeing him. So I think he's up to around six eight now. But his his athleticism and length and everything. And there was tons of all through all of their games the whole weekend. I saw there was tons of coaches there, and he was one of the main ones. And he was driving really well. His shot is still getting there. He when I was watching, he had a few misses that um, were a little, you know, scratchy. But he he's showing some, I'd say, progression with his shot. But if he can get that. To start falling he's he can dribble pretty well he can drive pretty well and he has he's a really athletic finisher and rebounds defends pretty well and he's just got a really good mobile frame for a lot of different uses i could see him he's a pretty good defender too and his verse he really has a lot of versatility defensively too since right. he has such a lanky big athletic frame so yeah but he played well for sure that, that was going to be my first question was his jump shot and how you thought it's improved since the last time you saw it since the last time you saw him, I saw him a couple times during the school year, and I and I thought his shots progressing. It's, it's mostly when he's open, you know. It's it's never. It's not like they're bringing him off a ton of screens to get shots. Um, it, it's sort of um, his perimeter, his outside shot is sort of uh, just right when he's wide open. But it but it looks good, you know. It's his release is getting quicker, and I, that's what I noticed. So I was curious to somebody who probably hadn't seen him during the school year a whole lot what you thought of him. So what you mm-hmm. thought of his shot. So who else on that team did yep. you think really? So next one, Jake, Jake Davis, who's kind of a, uh, you know, he, I feel like he always plays pretty well, but he, um, he was hitting his threes. I feel like he's a very high percentage open three maker. Like I think every time he shoots almost, but he really can get hot and he showed the potential to add each this shot two times and didn't make either one. But he shot a one dribble pull up in the mid range, which I think that could add a lot to his game if he can add that in there. Um, but he uh, he took some charges, you know. I always does that, Shocking. and then, but he's he just his shooting form is really good. And I think if he can, what he looks to be adding it, but I think if he can add that one dribble pull up, that can be a really game changer for him and add more, more versatility to his game, which I think is what he needs to expand on for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, he, in his situation, see, he's a kid that I think, you know, and I know I like. I, look, I I view every 
any recruiting situation, I sometimes I get caught up in my own biases in terms of how would they look playing for me? <laughs> you know, if I was coaching at a low D1, it, to me, it seems like no matter where he goes, he'll do the exact same thing. And I've, I've coached kids like that, no matter if they went to a division three school, division two school, division one school, NAIA school, their, their numbers would probably be somewhat the same. Now, um, division three kind of warps the scale a little bit in terms of counting, counting stats, but, but I would say NAIA D2, D, low D1, a, a lot of times, you take a kid like Jake Davis, I would think that if you ran an offense where you needed guys to screen and guys who could stretch the floor and guys who could defend, that he would be that he'd be a great fit for that system. Even at a low D1 level, like if I'm an OVC coach or I'm a Horizon League coach and I'm looking for a guy who comes in, you're not going to have to worry about his effort. You're not going to have to worry about him being a teammate. You're not going to have to worry about anything other than the fact that he's going to make your team tougher and he's going to make He's going to be able to space the floor on offense while getting people open. Obviously, if you're a heavy dribble drive team, you're not going to be interested in a kid like that. But but I'm a big motion guy. I'm a big screening guy. And I, I think he would be a kid at that level. I would gravitate, gravitate toward at least having one or two of those guys on my team. I would have like a rotation of guys. Every two years, I would take a guy who was 6'6", strong, could shoot, and Jake probably at the college level, at, the, at a D1 level, wouldn't rebound a lot. But you could also count on his guy not rebounding a lot. Like he would keep his guy off the boards, especially offensive. Like he wouldn't be an offensive rebound type guy. He would be a guy that would get back. And defensively, the guy that he was guarding would not get a rebound just because he's that kind of a kid. And, um, you know, that was um, – you know, that was, um, you know, something that, sorry, there's a text message came across that you and I were talking about before we recorded and it kind of uh, distracted me here. So, but he would be the kid that, that I, I think smaller D1 should take a look at definitely division two schools, you know, and, and again, that's not the underscore the undersell that the, the NAI schools that have already started recruiting him and, and are involved with him. But, um, but um you know, I think he would be effective for any team that wants to win, win their league because the kid wins at every level. So then there's, there's certainly at, at some point you got to have kids that, that win and he's that, he's that guy. So who else, anybody else in that group? Yeah. Stand the last... out? Who is, who isn't already committed? So we're not talking about your boy, Logan. Okay. <laughs> you said... That's not fair to Logan. I mean, you know, look, <laughs> yeah. we're a recruiting website. His recruitment's done. Okay, fair enough. I had a backup, so his, his um, recruitment's done, and you you talk about him like I talk about Carmel kids, so which is good because <laughs> well, Logan's Logan's damn good. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll mention t- the two other guys who are uncommitted because I got a pretty they all that team really everyone played quite a bit in that game. So I'll talk about Tibbs, John Tibbs, who's a six five guard, and I've I think his shots getting a lot better. That he hit two threes in that game back to back, which looked good, and he's kind of. I think he's kind of – he's a little bit of a streaky player offensively because he showed that a few times during the year. But I was really impressed with his defense and just kind of making hustle plays. And his passing looked really good. They run a lob play that they did, I think, the first two plays of the game where he lobbed it to J.Q. Roberts twice, and he had some good passes on those. And getting into J.Q. and Nick Rehart in the post also, he had some good passes. And he just seemed like a 
really solid all around, well-rounded players. So he looked good for sure. So. And how did how did Rehart play today? Yep. And then Rehart, he was he was a little bit um, in the game. I watched. He was a little bit rough finishing, but his post moves are really really solid. He he definitely was. He had to play against the the teams. I mean, there's. Every time I go to these tournaments, it just reminds me how many insanely, you know, seven foot people there are. But he was going against <laughs> yeah. huge guys. And there was a, and I'll just mention this really quick. There was, there's a seven six sophomore that was at that tournament that I saw walk by. And I mean, geez, but, um, but Nick, he's just really good at kind of changing his speed and speeding up and slowing down in his moves and just has a variety of spins and little jump stops, things like that. And I think his finishing needs to polish up a little bit more um he, he looked better and he was running the floor pretty well too and was definitely defending pretty solid against some like i said really really big guys so but yeah well that's you know look he struggled in the sectional mm-hmm. and logan did too for that matter but but you know what you know what i noticed on the sectional the carmel's or the noblesville sectional was that pretty much all the pure low post players struggled and that's where Nick hasn't stretched his game out yet. You know, that's, and I don't know that that's, and not everybody gets to, not everybody gets a chance to do that. Not everybody has the acumen to do that. And I know that he is, he, um, you know, I mean, like you think about even, even Simmons, Jeffrey Simmons for Fishers struggled. You know, and the, and it's um, it's something that when you play in situations where you're scouted a lot or scouted heavily, which tournament time is, sectional time is, then you are going to you're going to have to show more than just the things you normally do well. So I'm always curious to see what happens in the summer when a kid like Nick gets out there because that's the time for him to expand his game. We played Owen Freeman today who's committed to Iowa. And I thought we did a really good job on him in the first half. In fact, I know we did a really good job on him in the first half. Um, and we did a decent job on him in the second half, but, but that group that we played, the mid pro Academy team is, I mean, they've got two high majors, two mid majors. And, and right now my, my group's a little bit un, untested or unfounded just yet, but, but, you know, Freeman is, does more than, I mean, he's primary low post player, but he does other things too. And that's the part where I think Nick, and that's why he's committed to Iowa. And I think that's the, that's the part where Nick has to start to really um, work to stretch his game out a little bit more, but, but so it's going to be a big summer for him in terms of what level he gets recruited to, because I know when he was coming up, you know, coach Busick was very high on him. And, you know, it was, you know, on the, on the, in the wake of Derek Smith's, he thought here's another chance to, you know, to get a really good big kid to come through. And he was, we were all, he was convinced, Busick was convinced that, that Nick would be as skilled as Derek, or if not a little bit more skilled. And I just was, I, I just hadn't seen it yet, you know, and I, I think there's definitely has a good head for the game. And I think he's a good passer. Um, but I've not seen him stretch his game out to where he's an offensive threat facing the basket yet. So thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think that another thing he's been working on, he has a good looking shot for him, but the shot 
is another part that just hasn't kind of gotten there and his free throws have improved, but still a little rough there, but I agree. There's kind of needs to add some more versatility and just kind of in aspects, especially offensively. And yeah. So, yeah. Who was the other guy you wanted to talk about? I mean, yeah, that I was, that was, Nick. was that, was that Nick? Yeah, that was Nick. Yep. Nick okay. and John. Yeah. Okay. But, um, yep. And then next one, I had a couple three listed for the 24 class and, First, I'll start with the guy who's been blowing up lately, Floyd Badunga. I mean, he was just unreal in their game. They played the, uh, I think it's called Midwest Basketball Club, which is a yep. pretty decent team. But, I mean, they just couldn't do a thing to stop him. He just, in everything he didn't dunk were still, like, not easy finishes, and he was just finishing everything. And he had 34 points in that game and made 17 field goals in a row, which got him some good publicity and he just, I mean, he's, he's an unreal athlete. Some of the rebounds he just jumped so high for, and that team, that team they have, they start, you know, two, six, 10 guys and then a six, eight guy. And I mean, that's, but Flory's just, I mean, you know, he's, he's special. That's, that's different. That's, that's, yeah. To me, he's, he's one of the top three prospects in Indiana, regardless yeah. of class. And that would be yeah. Jalen Harrelson, him and, Trent Sisley and I, I think there's a I think there's a big gap underneath them talking about um, non-seniors talking about non-seniors I think there's a big gap between those three and anybody else right now and it's and that includes that includes kids in this class 2023 uh, you know I, I, I do think 2024 is a rough class as a whole but Badunga is really damn good. And like, you know, you, you, you were impressed with them. Was this like, was this the first time you'd seen him play? I forget. Uh, no, I, I saw, okay. I saw him play in the semi state and then we played them earlier in the year. So I saw him then too. Yeah. That's kind of when I was, I think after that game where he was just kind of pushing some of our guys over and just dunked everything in the, our game, I just figured I knew that he was going to be something else. So, but yeah. Yeah, he's and obviously he made his impact felt extremely well in the regional, especially against Westfield. And then he was, um, you know, he was really good against Chesterton. They just, you know, they just couldn't got to the point where they couldn't uh, keep him. You know, he struggled with some foul trouble, but then um, Chesterton figured out ways to get to the free throw line. That was that was the difference maker, really, right there at that point. So, um, the who else from that group? Yep. So this was my first time seeing Josiah Dunham in person, and yeah, I was impressed with. First off, he's a very confident shooter. He pulled a few from, you know, volleyball line distance, but his I was impressed with his shots really quick. Um, and he got really hot in the game. I was watching their whole team just, you know just completely dominating that game, but he was passing well and had some good entry passes to Flory. Um, and, you know, he just, he looked like a good point guard and a good scorer. And that's, you know, I think he averaged something like 35, 38 points a game during the high school season. And I can definitely see why he's just a really talented scorer and offensive player and definitely showed the part in that game. So, yeah. Yeah. They've got, they've got two, they have two guys down in Evansville that put up large numbers at a small school scale. Um, but 
Josiah is, is, I mean, he's the real deal. He's, he's, he's really good. You know, and he's, he's different athletically. Uh, and he is, I mean, he's different athletically among those two kids talking about Myers who goes to day school. Whereas um, Josiah Dunham goes to Evansville Christian Evansville Christian, not yet part of the ITSA tournament. I think that starts next year for them, but he was, um, he, he just got a longer, he's got a longer body between those two. So, you know, he's going to put up large numbers for them. He's going to, he's going to end up being pretty highly ranked, ranked in, or her, highly up the list of um, all-time scores in the state of Indiana is, is what he's going to end up being. But he is, um, he's already committed that. He's already committed to Evansville, I think. Is he, there, is that right? Or do I, does he just have the offer to Evansville? I think it may, I'll take, I think it may just be the offer. It may just have the offer, not committed. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he just has the offer. I don't yeah. think he's committed yet, so I could check. <laughs> check. I that's. I hate when we come up with when I come up with something, and um, and then I'm spend the time on the podcast searching for something here real quick. Okay. Let's check and see who Evansville's offered. Well, they don't have any they don't have any offers listed on here so that's not yeah. that's not accurate so looking at verbal commits they don't even have the offer from evansville to josiah he definitely has an offer from yeah from evansville and he and i i'm guessing at this point i was wrong that he was not already committed so who else uh, who else from that group did you like yeah and the last one was aaron fine from noblesville who has been he's i think he's it looked to me like he was kind of starting to play some point guard, and I was impressed that his ball handling looked better, and he had some really good passes, and that's a team that really passes the ball well. But, with, you know, I thought he really excelled, and he defended really well too, and his shot looks good. And, he, again, kind of like a lot of the guys I'll mention, he just kind of seems like a guy that can really, you know, has a shot that he can kind of score when he thinks it's needed, and he – um, his three-pointer was falling in that game, and they're, I mean, he's passing really helped their team a lot, him and Dunham. And then their other guard, Travis Perry, who's from Kentucky, who's really, you know, a high major player who's really solid. He's passing well to those guys setting up the guards, and they all looked really good and fine. He was definitely a good facilitator and just a kind of good floor general for them. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to argue about the Travis Perry being a high major guy, but well, I think he's he- – but he's a Kentucky kid, so we don't have to worry about it for this <laughs> on this website. But now, I think he's a kid that benefited from being an early maturing kid. He's gonna obviously he's gonna have a good, great high school career, and he'll he'll have a good college career. But I don't, I'm not sure I see him as a high major kid though. Yeah, I think I was just saying that because of his Ole Miss offer. Because technically, sort of. Sure. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they play basketball in Mississippi. I guess I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Um, that's yeah that's that it for that that's so 20, 2025 who stood out with that group yep so first one i messaged you about but his name's luke Ertle, and i believe he's a class of 26 now but he uh he looked really good he was their point guard but he was just super pesky on defense got a bunch of steals and lay-ins and offensively he was shooting the ball well he had a really killer pull-up game where he got a crossover and just kind of 
sort of raised up and hit them. And he hit some tough shots at will. And he's about, I'd say about six foot or so. Um, and I, I'm not sure where he'll play in high school, but I think that he's definitely had a great start to the year, um, the AU season and looked really good. So, yeah. And the other, the other two, I had two more. And then Braylon Mullins, who is from Greenfield Central, and he's, mm-hmm. he's got a good frame on him. I was impressed with his defense. His shot looked really good. He hit a few threes. Um, and I thought that he just looks like a really good wing and had a good perimeter defense on the other end too. And then the last guy, um, sort of a new name, McGuire Mitchell, who's a 6'4 guard from Zionsville. Um, but I, you know, I had to throw him in there because he had – he scored, I think, 15 points in the second half of their game and hit a couple threes and had a nice drive and one. And he played really well. And he's got a sort of wider – he's pretty lanky at this point and pretty skinny, but he keeps bulking up. He's got a really, really big offensive talent and defensively is did pretty well as well. And that whole team looked really good in the game I saw. So, but yeah. And they, uh, Coach, Coach Howe is pretty high on him, so – I don't, it's not a bad, it's not a bad one to talk about because he's, uh, you know, I think that I know that you guys have a lot of juniors. Zionsville's a lot of juniors. Everybody has a lot of juniors, by the way. We've, this is an ongoing theme with this podcast right now is how many teams have good juniors. The junior class is hugely deep, but, but I, I got to believe he'll, he'll have, um, he'll have a presence in the varsity team next year. So at some point, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, that's that's good stuff. That's good. And you you, you put a little bit of a write up up, and we'll get that published too. And um, anything else? So those are only Indiana. I guess so. If you just went to the three SSB games, that was the only Indiana team you would have seen, correct? Yeah. Yep. I was looking for others, but that was it for the one I was at. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, you going to games? Yeah, I probably will. I'm not good. sure what what events, but I'd like to. I was texting you about the Indiana Elite Central team I'd like to go see, and they're in Indy this week, so I might head over yeah. to where they're at. So. I think a bunch of us are going to be in Indy this week. I think we're all playing in that event just because it's Easter. Yeah. It gives, still gives us a good chance. I mean, we're not practicing this week, but we're going to use those three games as kind of like a practice. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm looking looking forward to having a little bit of a week off, I guess, yeah. but then still getting still getting a chance to get three games in and, and a weekend shortened by, like I said, Easter Sunday. So, all right, Chris. Well, that's good stuff. I appreciate your time and, and always glad to have you go to games. And I know you're looking forward to the summer when you get to Indiana state mm-hmm. start. What do you want to do? Do you want to be a coach? Do you want to be, what, what do you want to do with that? Up and up in the air, definitely yep. still kind of narrowing it down between like an athletic department or coaching, but yeah. definitely one of those two. Yeah. Easily. Uh, good resume builder being part of a college coaching staff and, and, or at least even, you know, as a, obviously as a student manager, student assistant, um, you know, it opens up a lot of doors for you. So it's good stuff. All right, Chris, we'll, we'll have you back on again next week and we'll talk some more basketball. Thanks. Sounds good. All right. Thank you for listening to Courtside Indiana podcast. If you listen every week, we appreciate it. If not, Please hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate a rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Quartz at Indiana Twitter and Instagram. 
at Courtside IND. That's Courtside IND on both platforms. Courtside Indiana, thank you for listening.